want to talk about the, um, the kind of radical, radical, radical transforming presence of Jesus uh, and how we get in touch with something that just is beyond us. I had a picture. It's not a, I thought, I don't know. Imagine you're going away. You're told you're going away for an indefinite period. You're going to be picked up in a limo big trailer if you need it, and you're told, bring whatever you want, whoever you want. Bring whatever you think is important. No, mo no more is told you. And the day comes, and you know the limo comes, and you've put all the stuff that you think is important that you're going to take with you, uh, including relationships, family, friends, whatever. And you get to this uh, pull-in place like a hotel, um, and you see these big box warehou warehouses on the right and the left, and you go in with all your stuff, and uh, there's a reception area, and they just say, um, well, you can place all your stuff over there. And you say, well, I see it again. And they say, probably not. You say, what are these warehouses for? And they say, that's where other people's luggage is. You go, but, but, but it's my stuff. Where am I going? Uh, here's my, you, don't want need, you won't need your passport. And what about my, my family? Just kissing goodbye. I said, where am I going? He said, you're actually going to die in 15 minutes. You don't need a passport because what we do is we scan you. And whatever you've invested inside is what matters, right? Because the only part of you that survives is the spirit. And the spirit was, when you were conceived, there was a computer. You, you guys think you're in clever? Well, God placed within you an invisible chip that would be activated by Jesus. So we just scan that chip. That's it. Welcome to the rest. That's what Jesus came to alert us to. It wasn't to be scared. It's not to be horrifying. It's, in fact, he said, seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be given you. He said, lay, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. It is totally counterintuitive to our culture. We work hard and then retire because retirement is, and then what? kids sell your retirement homes, spend the money, and dust to dust and ashes to ashes. That's it. Meaning of life. It's not a scare tactic. I'm not speaking to scare anybody. It's just kind of what happened. So, we're reflecting on, on what is it that we're investing in and what is it that we trust in this strange story where Jesus meets, uh, well, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. The guy walks in here right now, and he can't speak. What will we do? Who's he spoken to? Who's his doctor? He needs a speech therapist, physical examination. All, nothing's wrong with any of that, but that's where we would go. And he might go through all of those things and remain mute, and we say he's incurable. And he gets to heaven. And he can speak. And he said, what was that about? And he said, you had a demon. Nobody believed it. Got robbed. The spirit world is more real than the physical world. But we need help to understand its power. There are people here, without question today, who are being bound by the spirit world. It's really tempting. I'll tell you how this works. It's really tempting because I look at this passage and go, oh, let's talk about Jesus' love. It's like a demonic voice that says, don't pay attention to that. 
because you'll just offend people, which, of course, is not good on me, because I just go, never mind what I say to you. Um, but I rise up and go, no, this is exactly what it's all about. This is exactly what it's all about. Jesus, I speak against that pain in Victoria right now, and I speak healing over that abscess in your mouth. That's not a word of knowledge. He told me that. But I really speak acceleration of healing in her right now. So we're going to take on this guy called Beelzebul, who is actually defeated. Just call him Satan, and I always, every single time I write Satan's name, I do it with a little S. I refuse to capitalize it, because he's not important. So how do we understand this? Jesus casts out a demon, and the man speaks. And then like everywhere throughout history, the responses vary. Some are delighted that he speaks. I think the man who spoke was probably delighted. Others said, how's he doing this? He's doing this by Satan's power. And Jesus speaks about how can a kingdom be divided against itself? Because some people cannot handle God doing anything that they can't understand. And God, pretty much most of what God does that is interesting is not understandable by us. So churches where God has to be understood tend to limit themselves to telling stories from the Bible of long ago, but have no presence, no present expectation of anything. So in the communion that we've been part of for years, the Anglican communion, you have 16 or 17 churches up for sale on the island, which is the best thing that could happen for the established Anglican church in Canada. Sell the whole lot burn it. It's a waste of time. It's inoculating your people against God with religion. I'm not speaking with anger at all and just diagnosing a disease. Because where the Spirit of God is, there is healing and there is life in Jesus. So, we have this place where this guy with a, a demonic spirit is set free and Jesus says, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the real question that rises for me as I looked at this was, what do you want from God? Band-aid or surgery? Do you want deep healing or just superficial survival? The level of healing that is open to us is entirely dependent upon the equipment that is available to us. Take the physical and keep translating it into the spiritual. If I get a, uh, if I get, uh, a splinter, you could put a band-aid on, band on it to draw it out, but you probably would want to get a needle and try and get some. Um, if you have a cut, what do you do? You usually clean it out don't you? And you say, I don't want it to get infected. Wash your hands. Why? Because they're germs. Look at your hands. See all the germs? See any germs? You believe in germs? How ridiculous. When did you last see a germ? You don't tell me you believe in germs. Have you tasted a germ? Have you felt a germ? Have you seen a germ? 
why would you believe in a germ? You go to the doctor. Imagine a doctor who doesn't have any x-ray equipment. He has no tools. Would you go to him? You go and you get x-rayed, as we've just heard, and you see something inside. You have to be cut open. And when you're cut open, they're really careful about uh, cleanliness because of germs, which you can't see, apparently. But they discovered after many, 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 many millions had died that germs are real and that people who don't have cleanliness around their wounds die of infection. And it wasn't that long ago, sort of Florence Nightingale and, and after that in the nursing pr profession. It's not very long ago that the whole area of germ sensitivity uh, arose in our culture. So more people live because of uh, antiseptics and penicillin. Now, how does that all work? You bring stuff and you put it on a wound. You can't see the germs, but apparently it does something. Then you look at the impact and you say, well, more people are living if we go through these procedures. So the invisible is met with a visible response and something changes. And the results cause you to believe in it. Right? So you say, well, I'm not going out. Kids, kids shouldn't go to school if they're sick because they infect everyone. Have you seen the infection spreading? Not really. Somebody sneezes. You're getting rid of inf you, You're passing out infection. Can you see? You can't really. And most of the things, um, most of the physical conditions that we struggle with, most of the times where sickness is a problem, you go and you get medication. Um, you're usually not told to tape the pill to the top of your head. Take, tape it to the top of your head three times a day. Pretty much most things that you're going to take to help your infections or to help your sickness are going to have to be consumed and taken inside so that it can work through your body. So if you who are evil know how to medicate bodies, which are very temporary, how much more can God? God's problem is we come to him and say, Lord, I want you to work. He says, open your mouth. He says, I don't do that. Open your hands. I don't do that either. Uh, give me some room. I'm not comfortable. I don't understand why God's not working. He can't work. If we're sick, the, the last person and the last place we come to is before him. And so what I'm hoping and praying today is that we just are humbled and alert to an avenue that Jesus opened up to say there is so much more that I need to have you before me with the same humility and desperation as you go before your GP. Take off your clothes. No, I'm not comfortable doing that. I mean, the GP humiliates you. I'm speaking with a joke, all right? But he, he or she humiliates you. You don't feel comfortable. Prods and pokes and does things that nobody would speak of in, in order to, to um, ascertain what's wrong with you. There's a lot of hands-on. And that's just your body. So what about your spirit? What about that which is eternal that is in you? How do you think God releases life and healing without a little bit of contact? Most of us probably have plateaued on a spiritual level that is way below 
where they should be. And it's not because God doesn't want to release it. Stubborn. Or we don't realize. There's a spiritual battle that we're all involved in. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to defeat the power of evil. He went to the cross to actually defeat uh, the supply route for germs in the spirit. Satan is highly infectious. So in a sense, germs and invisible things are all part of the fallen world. So he'll attack you from the outside. He'll start on your body. You say, you see, your body's like this. God doesn't care. Until God's kingdom rises up and says, in the name of Jesus, be free, be healed. And the finger of God casts down. I read uh, recently a review of, of, it was just a small section of, um, there was a, a TV series quite a long time ago uh, by, what's his name, called Civilization. Kenneth Clark. And in it, he makes the comment about Christianity. He said, for the 400, first 400 years, art, Christian art, never showed the cross. Or the cross was very, very insignificant. And the conclusion was that for the, for the first 400 years, people were rarely speaking about Christianity in terms of the resurrection, miracles, and power. And the further you get away from the, the presence of God and, and, and resurrection power, the more you get into self-centeredness, I am guilty and he died for my sins and that's where it ends. And so from the fourth century, you see this massive increase of the cross, which is very important, but it's the doorway into heaven on earth. It's not the end, it's the beginning. The cross is almost where you meet Jesus. But as we've talked about many times, many of us live on the wrong side of the cross. All we're worried about is our sins. And God says, I've already dealt with that. So why don't you get forgiven and let's get on with your life? So there's a clash of kingdoms. So you have the doctor prowling around on one side and you have Satan prowling around on the other side. Do you understand you're in a war? And even when I'm speaking now, you're going to have reactions. Things will rise up in you. There is everything is spiritual at its root. Everything is spiritual at its root. I was uh, talking to somebody this week. They went, uh, there were two women and five children. They went on a picnic. And they sat down for their picnic and they said, do you hear that? And they had the sense of something in the bush. And you know what happened? They, they start coming back and they have this very, there's a cougar following them. Now, they, get, they gather together and they get out of there safely. But they're young children. Who's the cougar going to take? It's going to take whoever's not in that group. It's prowling around. The cougar takes nice people and takes children. It takes anybody who's available. The Bible says Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. He doesn't care whether you're educated, whether you're beautiful, whether you're ugly, whether you're... He doesn't care. If you're vulnerable, he'll take you. And that's why we need one another. Because we're all vulnerable. God, Jesus wants to release healing here today. He wants to actually set people free. But in each of us, there's a battle that goes on as to whether I'm showing up here in my head or not. You could be tracking with me now, or you could be thinking about where you're going this afternoon, or what it'd be like at the lake, or why, the, why did I come? 
You could have all kinds of things going on inside. Just be aware it's not just you. You might be extremely educated or you might be not educated at all and you'll have things going on in your spirit because evil puts up a battle because it's much, much greater. There's a guy in here today who I'm not identifying um, who went for help from the medical profession and has spent years getting bad help from somebody who says they're representing the medical profession. So I'm writing a letter to the BC Board of Physicians and Surgeons to complain. Because you see, in every area of life, there's good and bad and ugly. And Jesus has come to set people free. And we are not to give anyone authority that is unquestioned. And that's why I say the medical profession can curse you. There's too much diagnosis of labels on our lives that have become curses. And then I define myself and say, this is what I am, because this is what I was told. And you go, there might be truth to that, but is that what you are? So we're contending today for the physical and the spiritual and where we find healing and wholeness and how we find it. Are you tracking with me? Anybody here? Let me give you, because there's only one thing I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say when Jesus came before that man who was mute, he cast out a demon and the man spoke. And if the man who was mute was here today, what would I do? And I say that to myself. And do I give room and do I acknowledge that what Jesus declared and revealed is true today as it was in his day? In other words, there is spiritual warfare and underneath some stuff, there is demonic presence. I'm not for one moment saying that's everywhere, but I would check it out. If you are here today and you've got something that you're struggling with, that you have been struggling with for a long time, it might well have an energy that comes from a demonic presence. And you go, oh, that's terrifying. Don't be terrified. That's like being diagnosed with something. And then you say, here's good news. I've got the antidote. You will find, and you see, the thing is that it's so ingrained in us, it feels like us. Some of us have resigned ourselves to live with sickness for the rest of us. For some of us, sickness is a friend because it gives us a reason not to participate, and we live in fear, and we can opt out, and we just say, well, it's my condition. And our condition has become our friend, and the demonic has actually taken us prisoner. Well, Jesus can heal, but he doesn't heal me. And many times it's because me doesn't step through the door and say, here I am, Lord. I've found people are very, very stubborn, very, very proud and opinionated. The weakest, most placid-looking person has got a will of steel. So the good news is that Jesus comes. I want to show you something. I put together a, a little uh, diagram that I'd like some help to hand out, please, because I just wanted to show you this to see if it helps you make sense of what I'm talking about this morning. So could I have two or three people to help hand these out, please? Uh, not, somebody else from over there. Rise up and walk. Thank you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me, uh, I promise you this is good news. This really is good news. 
No, when they're in medical school, I know this, when they're in medical school and they go through all the diseases, everybody goes home and thinks, oh my word, I've got this disease and that disease, I've got all this. You want some more? Um, and so it's easy to think, oh, I've got a demon in every part of my life. Relax, don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, you might have. So I put this together, uh, you know, uh, you go to the doctor. I've got to ring the doctor and have my medical checkup because I'm now at this age where every week I've got to go and make sure I'm still going to be alive. Um, and I always want to put it off. But anyway, you know what I mean. Thanks very much. So you look at this. Uh, what, I, what I've put here in the gray area is what I call the dark side of the moon. Thank you. Uh, it's living in the shadow. It's pretty much our natural self. So going down the left column, this is totally you know, random, loose. It's not a defined thing. It's just to give you an idea of what I'm trying to say today. If I say in my perspective, life revolves around me and my choices, you move across. So the, the world sees somebody who works hard, who's, hard, uh, who's self-made, maybe who's driven, who's successful, uh, who has lots of toys. And the world will see that as quite successful, quite conscientious. Um, the lies that I believe or the demonic is it's a dog-eat-dog world. Do whatever it takes to get what you want. In, in the, uh, in the uh, italics is, the th is possibly, doesn't always have to be this way, a demonic energy underneath that. Uh, in independence, self-sufficiency, pride, and vanity. Everything in human condition could be demonically hijacked. Do you understand that? Every single thing that is good in the human condition can be twisted. And everything that can be twisted has the possibility of having a demonic energy underneath it. The try this column is just a tongue-in-cheek. Uh, these are the ways we operate in terms of coping behavior. You might not see your particular vice here, so you go, sure, thank goodness, that's not there. But it, it is. Eating. Uh, but you can mix and match, you see, because we, we're very accommodating here. We give you a lot of options to cope with your dysfunction. Uh, the truth that Jesus comes to reveal is he says, He gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the, uh, before the ages began. Uh, Jesus initiated life. God initiated life. God is the source of all life. Now, you can even mix and match the, the verses, and there are many, many more verses you could use. But what I'm trying to illustrate is that Jesus re revolutionizes life. I'm a survivor. I'm alone. So you're tenacious, you're private, you're withdrawn, you're hardworking, or uh, you're isolated and depressed. You could be a workaholic or an alcoholic with the same root. The lies and the demons, you're on your own. Don't trust anyone. Independent self-sufficiency, cynicism. I mean, you could, you could pride yourself in your defense mechanism, and it's demonically rooted. How do you like that? You don't even realize it. What you think, I used to think sarcasm was a strength of mine. Because it helped, I can read people, and it, I attack you before you attack me. I learned that as a kid. As you can see, it's taken years and years to even begin to bring that to heel. But it is better than it was. Believe it or not. So 
that defense, <laughs> there's a little too much enthusiasm for that. That defense, for a long time, I think probably was a demonic root. And all I do is, Jesus, I renounce that spirit of cynicism or sarcasm. And I forgive my parents and I forgive whatever th I think that comes out of. And Jesus, I just ask you to continue to release me from that place where I have to feel like I have to defend myself. You'll never get anywhere with Jesus with pride. Because pride will always cause you to explain yourself away and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. If you do feel that, come and see me because I can help you with that. I know people who could help you. We have surgeons of the spirit available and we can help you diagnose what you self-diagnose probably incorrectly. The good news is every time you are diagnosed with something, there is an antidote. Do you know what the voice of the demonic sounds like? It's accusing, and it always tells you it's not a big deal, and it, you really need it. An extreme is giving up cigarettes. I mean, there's nothing good in t smoking. We all know that intellectually, but perhaps a stronghold of addiction. Now, underneath addiction is, uh, you can't do this without me. It dumbs you down and it controls you. It has to be demonic, because Jesus doesn't do that. So he comes to set captives free. So you say, well, I, I don't know how to get free of that. It's terrible. Just begin to start thanking God that he's going to set you free. Start along the path of freedom. Jesus, I gave you permission to begin. I give you permission to take this from me. And I, I, I declare to you that I don't even know how to do that. That's cool. That's no different from going to a surgeon and saying, I really would like you to take this tumor from me, but I don't know how to do it. And he says, well, what, we'll hit you over the head, put you to sleep, and trust us. Now, if you who are evil know how to do that with your body, why can't you do that with the spirit? Soaking prayer is big operating theater where the potential is huge for God to heal people. What's the fight? I don't want to waste my time. I want to spend it at the lake. Fine, be sick. Everything will be contested. Everything. Until you realize what it is, and then you just go, oh, I know it's going to be contested. You know one of the biggest lies is that we're too busy. You're not busy. You're just wasting your time. You're not busy. Most people in this room are not busy. You just need to learn how to set your parameters and make your choices. But if I want to spin all the plates because I want control of my life, of course I'm busy. I'm going to be run off my feet. But it's your issue. Hard luck. Busyness covers a multitude of sins. Does this make sense to you, what I'm saying here? So I've just, I'm not going to go through all these things. I can't read it anyway. But I encourage you to go through it and just have a look and see what God says to you about what He wants to set you free from. He doesn't just want to set you free from things. He wants to set you free to set others free. So there, there are at least two things that happen here. You know, somebody looked at this and said, oh, this doesn't work. You know, you give us these memory verses and Jesus says and you quote these scriptures. It doesn't work. What do you do? How many of you think quoting a memory verse is going to save your life? I know this is going against the evangelical tradition. 
but I think it's pretty much a waste of time. Why didn't you take a memory verse, interpret it, why did you take a verse, interpret it in a language you can understand, swallow it, and then remind yourself of it. It doesn't matter whether you can quote it. Take the essence of it and remind yourself of it every day and live out of that place which is the same as I have an infection, I've taken an antibiotic, I'm believing the antibiotic is engaging with the infection, and I'm getting well. It's okay, I'm on antibiotics. Well, take what Jesus gives you. My promise is that I'll never leave you or, for, or forsake you. So, Jesus, you're always with me. Yes, that means I'll never be alone. Yes. So forget about trying to memorize the verse and start saying, thank you, Jesus, that I'm never alone. And I'm going to live out of that place. You're with me always. And where, I'm with, where you are with me, there is no more fear. Or I'm just going to trust you. And I'm, 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 I'm just saying, Lord, release trust in me to believe. There is so much healing available. There's so much power available as we actually choose to take these things and make them internal. But nobody else can do it for you. Nobody can go for a medical examination for you. Somebody could make a lot of money. I'll do the medical examination. I'm taking bookings. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here for Bill and Dave, and I'm here for Gary. I'll take it. He says, "Sorry, it's wrong body. You can't do it. Nobody can do the spiritual work you have to do." So, want to do some surgery? Stand up, please. You go to the doctor's office. He says, "Lie down." You come to our office. We say, "Stand up." Okay, Lord, let the scanner flow, please. Scanner flows. Okay, now you guys, uh, you either opt out right now or you might actually be set free. If you have something, Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit, I uh, just bless you because you're safe. So I just speak uh, safety over this room right now. I speak against all anxiety or fear about the demonic. In the name of Jesus, I break that. There is nothing to be afraid of. Satan is defeated. Satan is a very, very small mouse who casts a big shadow but is actually much more powerless than you and I have really known. Um, it only takes the finger of God to cast out. All right? So if there's something that's been sitting in you right now, that you th you'll know it because, Father, I pray that you just release the knowledge of that. Uh, anything that has uh, caused us problems or pain or, or, or an ongoing battle in our lives, in the name of Jesus, I just call it up in the name of Jesus. And Jesus has come to set you free. So you just say, Jesus, in your name, I renounce uh, whatever it is. It could be a spirit of addiction. It could be a spirit of pornography. It could be a spirit of lust. It could be a spirit of shopping. It could be a spirit of eating. It could be anything that you are struggling to get victory over. It could be pride. It could be expressing your emotions. It could be having fun. It could be anything under the sun. And we don't have to ferret around here in a sort of paranoid way, by the way. We're just gently coming before the Lord, and He's just saying, I come to set you free. And so, Jesus, I, I declare the victory and your power of the cross over every, everyone standing here right now. So I renounce the spirit of that, Jesus, and I give... Uh, maybe we should go to the cross and just say, I ask you to forgive me where I've allowed that to have too much authority. And I give you permission to set me free. 
because Satan always works on legal entitlement. Where he's given permission, he takes it. He's a thief and a destroyer. But I didn't ask him in. I know, but you left the window open. You remember when you said you'd never love anyone again? He came right in and said, I'll help you keep that. Wherever you have unforgiveness and you say, I, I just cannot handle that and I'm not going there, he will hold you to that and he will build a bitter spirit in you which will come out in sickness. Wherever there's unforgiveness, there will be sickness very often. Wherever there is fear, there's a lie being spoken to you about you're not good enough. You're not this, you're not that. Or because of your past, you'll never have a future that is worth living for. You're just sitting in for survival now until you die. That is a lie from hell. In the name of Jesus, I speak death over lies and curses that are rising up in our minds now. And you just bring them to Jesus. Don't be afraid because he's actually just going to say, thank you so much. That's why we're here. We're in a big operating theater right now. He does mass operations. He's so good, he can operate around the world and set people free. And you are deeply loved by him. He says, I can set the mute free. I can set you free. So there's two kinds of freedoms. All we're doing is modeling something that you can do again and again on your own, but you do it with Jesus because of his authority and what he's won for you. And then there's another area that's got nothing to do with the mute or the demon, and that is being released into what God has for you. And so if you want to know the more that he has for you, just say to him, Lord, here I am. I ask you to fill me with your spirit and release me to inherit all that you have for me. Uh, if you have a demonic spirit of fear, you won't be able to pray that because you'll be hedging your bets and saying, but what if? So you have to come to terms with that fear. You give that fear and say, Jesus, I'm not calling you a liar. I trust you with my life. There's some of you here who are staring around like you're not involved, but everybody else's little problem. You're in a spirit of denial, and God wants to take that from you. Because I'm standing here saying, Lord, I want more as well. Lord, I don't want to be part of anything that is energized by Satan. I don't want anything in me to not be submitted to you. And so I give you permission to work in my heart and my life day by day that I might become all that you want me to be. I, I want to inherit the kingdom on earth as in heaven. I want to be the man that you want me to be. And where I'm afraid or where I'm not even aware of those things, Lord, I just give you permission to alert. But I thank you that I'm safe with you. I thank you that you are the Lord of life. You are the Lord who, who sees joy and laughter and fulfillment ahead of each of us. You invite us into that. But don't be afraid. I've overcome. So we're going to break bread together. We're coming to the banqueting table of our Father. And we're going to break bread. And we're going to say, thank you, Jesus, that I am, a, I am eating at your banqueting table and that you have a present and a future for me that is more wonderful than I imagined. And Father, I just pray that there is absolutely no fear over evil or Satan because we are a place where he has been overcome. You're only afraid of germs when you don't have the antidote, right? When you have the antidote, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to get inoculated. But Father, I just pray blessing on everyone standing here. I pray blessing, encouragement, power to invest in your kingdom for what is still to come.